Hey, good evening, everyone. Happy Thanksgiving, Merry Christmas, and Happy New Year. We've been gone for a while. We are so excited to be back with you all, and we have a great show today. We're going to be talking about songs from 1983, and I was doing the math. Yes, it's 40 years, and Man. it was kind of shocking to me. But uh, we looked at the list and we thought, wow, these are some really great songs that came out in 1983. So stick around. We're going to have a great, great show. Uh, and we want to hear what you have to say and what are your favorite songs of 1983. All right. Good evening, everyone. Thank you so much, George. How are you, buddy? I am fantastic. I am excited about season two of Counterparts. We got some great stuff coming I know. this year. Yeah, this is so exciting. We are, you know, we talk about this a lot, obviously, but not so much on the show where we really were shocked last year. <laughs> we, yeah. <laughs> we kind of had no idea we were going to have the, the amazing guests that we did and the response that we did. That we that we got and um it was really a, a a blessing and we want to thank everybody who took the time to watch our show and to write us and to send us stuff and to and to you know all the guests that that gave us their time because we know that there's a lot to do mm -hmm. people are busy there's a lot of things that's going on and for them to be able to come here and spend an hour with us is such a blessing and we are super grateful so thank you to all our guests and thank you to all of you for watching we appreciate it uh we're going to be bringing to you the same thing we're not going to change much because we had such a great year why change it but we are going to add more we're going to yes. be adding a lot more um and just try to really really just elevate the the quality of the show um and i'm going to keep my hat <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna keep my beard. The funny thing about the beard was that I was telling people I was gonna shave it off for the, for the next thing, you know, and I got so much pushback. <laughs> like they were like, What are you crazy? I'm like, that's your thing. I was like, well, I, I'm kind of tired of it. I was like, no, don't so I got really no, well that, that that makes the <laughs> show. I mean, the hat, the beard, that's what makes including, the show. Including my kids. My kids oh, that are, too. My kids are like, no, don't don't shave it. I was like, <laughs> there you right. go. So um so this this week we're gonna do something interesting for our first show of 2023. Happy New Year, everyone! Hope you all had a great New Year's. Um, but 40 years ago was 1983, and George and I were talking about we're we're musicians and we love music. We're actually it's love is not even really a strong enough word. We're sort of obsessed with music. And we were talking about doing a show about songs from a certain era. And I just randomly, I think, picked 1983. I don't know why I picked that yeah. year, but I just wrote it in. And it came up. And the songs that were on that list of the top 20 songs were pretty mind-boggling. I couldn't believe it. So mm -hmm. um, what we're going to do today, it's going to be, uh, uh, we want to hear from you also. If you have your favorite song from 1983, we're going to go down a list. We're going to do the top 20. Obviously, we're not going to do... Uh, we're not going to take too long on each one. And then George and I picked five of our favorite songs from that era. Now, somebody did ask me a question as I posted one of the, the, the content promoting this. They asked <clears throat> what genre of music. And I, I thought oh, that's, a, that's a valid question. Well, we, we were looking at pop music, you know, right. the top 
40, the, the most popular songs of the year. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can do a uh, top song, songs in jazz or blues or R&B or, or rock. But we were looking at overall pop music, popular music of 1983 and those top songs. So that's what this list is. Um, and what are your thoughts on that, Jorge? Well, I'm an I'm an '80s. You know, sometimes I'm afraid to admit it, but I'm kind of an '80s guy as far as music goes. Well, you're actually big on that. Yeah, I I I don't know if it's because I grew up in that era, but I love the '80s music. I just yeah. I think I think there was some great melodies there. Um, I think a lot of um, there was great songwriting there. That's what, yeah. I mean, and also musicians. Oh and, man, and there was some unbelievable musicians that played during that era man that were just you know and i i love the the whole concept of the studio musician and these guys that were playing and i i fascinated by them and i watched their yeah. biographies and stuff so i don't know i just i, don't know, I, I love that stuff yeah the, the the 80s were one of those interesting because there was also a lot of new stuff coming in with the whole keyboard sounds and right. a lot of tech no sounds and um um you know, the 70s, late 70s was that, what do you call that, pop rock, um, not pop rock, what was it, um, Sting and oh, The Police and, the, police. and uh, the Ramones and what do you call that? I forgot what the Costello music Well, you're talking was. about, um, you're talking yeah. about, uh, now, I'm, now I'm blanking out. Yeah, that. Everybody. See how much <laughs> we're into music? You see how obsessed we are that we can't punk. even think of the punk? Punk. Punk music, yeah. No, I just so, called you a punk. Oh, you just you don't remember these. <laughs> but funny, you called me a punk because that's, that's exactly what it is. So punk music, you know, um, and then that kind of led into a lot of a keyboard and harmony. The whole the Casio decade. Yes. But within that decade was incredible music. I mean, oh yeah, amazing definitely. guitars and amazing uh -huh. bands, and you know, um, and it was just really great. So we picked uh -huh. one year from the 80s, which is 1983, which was a, a, a really a, an amazing year. And uh, we're going to go down the line. So what I'm going to... Yeah, but, but before we do that, John, I just want to make sure that we um, mention our sponsor. Oh, yeah. Jeez. Sorry. <laughs> I'm so excited, John's so excited. about being back <laughs> and just getting started. I almost forgot how to hit the buttons when we started this. I was like, wait, do I do this? how do I do this again? <laughs> So, but we are back and we are excited. And yes, we do have a wonderful sponsor. So take it away. Yes. So as always, the Counterpart Show is brought to you by Wellness Resources, a family-owned and operated nutritional supplement company providing the highest quality clinically formulated supplements since 1985. Not, not 83, 85, but there was good music in 85, by the way. Find out why Wellness Resources supplements are the top choice of health-conscious individuals, including myself and other folks around the world. Make sure you go to myvitaminresource.com. And this uh, month, the month of January, they are having a sale. It's 25% off thyroid and weight management supplements. So we all know that thyroid and weight management tend to go together a lot. So make sure if you want to uh, check out all those supplements, go to myvitaminresource.com. Get 25% off. Plus, if you enter the promo code counterparts, you will get free shipping on the order so make sure you check them out cool excellent by the way a lot of people might not know that so if you don't know that you got to follow george because george does the counterparts wellness talk show 
and he has incredible information on there and you can follow him on instagram also so it's just a little plug for your uh thank you sir for the side thing that you do because it's uh it's great I, i'll be watching it and i'll it'll pop up and i'm like oh really <laughs> that, you know so it's really great information but yes thank yeah. you to our sponsors we appreciate you very much or our sponsor eventually sponsors um and we appreciate it so okay 1983 i was in my early 40s and <laughs> I, <laughs> I was gonna make that joke but i, I know you were i, I had, uh, I had you know. somebody was yeah that would always yeah uh, <laughs> always always the joke um but no i was um what was i i was um let me see 78 oh my god really so i was like 15. i was 11. yeah yeah that makes sense yeah yeah because i was 15 yeah we were about four years apart so yeah i was 15 years old and it was a great age yeah because think about some of the people that were out in 1983 you know, what I mean, mm -hmm. you know, Definitely. you know, we're going to talk about, you know, uh, a lot of these artists near. So what we're going to do, so we're not here for four hours, which George and I do. Sometimes <laughs> yeah. we feel like we could do a four hour show on if it's about music. Um, we're going to go and we're going to go through the list. Top 20 of 1983. And, you know, if you guys um, have any, you know, any thoughts on it, please let us know in the chat there. Uh, let us know, you know, just let us know your thoughts on it. Um, this was taken, just so we know, this is from playback.fm, which is the charts from uh, the top 100 songs of 1983. We're only going to do the top 20. Mm -hmm. um, I might do 21 because 21 was a really song, a great song that I that I really liked. Do and, it. Um, um, so we're going to start on 21. Why not? Go for um, it. Um, Spando Ballet. True. <laughs> Spandu. Spando. You know, that song, by the way, I'm every time it comes on, I listen to it. It's a great song. It is a great song. It's a beautiful, it's a, it's a beautiful melody. I like yeah. it. And um, yeah. you know, I, and the guy said, by the way, it was very hard for him to sing. Oh, I can I, I can imagine. Yeah, that that's yeah. that's a really hard song. I mean, how do you even do that live like consistently on a tour right. of exactly. shows a year? Exactly. You know, I mean that's exactly. really difficult, you know. Um, it reminds me of a uh, Randy from the Eagles, mm -hmm. um, where he had that song. Um, I can't tell you why. What? Yeah, but, you know, at the end he has that really high yes. high thing. Yes. It was like really difficult for it to be consistently hitting that all every single night, and it's yep. it's a huge hit. Right, you know what I mean? Exactly. It's, like, it's, it's hard. Do it. um, yes, so. Yeah, so that was uh that was number twenty one. All right, so now let's start our real list now. So number twenty is an act. It's a really important song for me, um, because my mom was obsessed with this song, and it was uh, Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton "Islands in the Stream." Ah, nice. And it was it was one of those songs that um our names disappeared, but uh, that's because I didn't put them in here. It doesn't matter. <laughs> um. But it was one of those songs that, you know, it came out and it was a crossover, really. Mm -hmm. You know, it was, it was yes. one. Of, it was it didn't it introduced me. Well, Kenny Rogers really introduced me to country music. You know, I think right. he introduced right. millions and millions of people to country music. You know, because he right. crossed over so incredibly 
as a, as a, such a huge superstar, um, I would have never heard of a lot of the country artists that came up, you know, after, after I was watching him, even Hank Williams and, and, you know, some of the older guys, you know, Alan Jackson and those guys, mm-hmm. because, you know, if I had a, if I was listening to the radio and, and, and it was a, a Kenny Rogers song, when I got old enough to like be able to buy music and stuff, mm. I would go to the Kenny Rogers section and go to the country section. And then I would see other artists say, Oh, I wonder what this is. And mm. I don't know if you remember back in the, the tower record days where you can <laughs> go and, and you could put headphones on and you could yes. kind of like test. So there was yep. like a country section. So I would test out records. And uh, I remember uh, Roy Orbison was another one that mm-hmm. really introduced me to, you know, the traveling Wilburys. That was right. like a huge thing for me. And it really brought country in it. So, this is an important song for me because it really broadened my my musical uh, spectrum, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, and my mom, <laughs> my mom was a huge music lover. My mom loved music, and you know, it's definitely where my biggest influence in music was my mom. She played everything from you know from Kenny Rogers to Air Supply to she would you know she would get the records, you know, she'd have the all the the, the Thriller album and stuff like that, you know, and she would come in with those and. So that that was a big influence on me, but she loved loved this song. And if you remember when you put the record on, you can hit a little button that it would just go back and just replay it again. Yeah, <laughs> she had it on replay, and it would play. I would be I would wake up, it's playing. I'd have breakfast, it's playing. I go outside to play. I come back, it's playing. It would be like all day long. Island in the street, yes. and she just. Love that song. So that was number uh, number twenty. Do you have any uh, thoughts on that song? Do you remember? It? No, it's 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 a great song. I've always loved that too. And it's funny because I hadn't I hadn't heard it in so long. I heard I it recently, but I I mean literally, it's one of those songs. And again, a lot of these songs I identify with because at that time my mother used to drive me to school in mm. the morning, uh, St. John's actually, yeah. and uh, and I used to hear these songs in the morning. Yeah. So every time I would walk in and and the, because my brain sticks with a song, it would stay with me the whole day. Yeah. So this is one of those songs that would stick with me and I'd be in school and I'd be Island in the stream, you know, as, yeah. same but thing. I love it. Yeah. yeah same great thing song. for me. It was just such an, uh, uh, an obsessive. Let me see if I hit this. Oh, good. They hit our names here. Again. Um, yeah, it was such a great, song. I actually did recently just put it on my playlist as a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, if you go to Spotify, if anybody's interested in like a, a, a playlist, I created this, this playlist and it's called uh, Great Melodic Songs. Now, if you listen to this playlist, it's not a playlist of like pop songs from the 70s. It's not from the 80s. It's not from the 90s. It's not from 2000s. It's from every, everywhere. every, everywhere. I have John Lennon in there to Jason Mraz. To, if it has a good melody in it, you know, and it moves me. It's on that, this playlist, and it's like a. I think it's like a. I don't. I don't know what the hours are on it, but it's a pretty long playlist. It's at uh, nine hours now, so oh. you can have nine <laughs> hours of. Is that all? <laughs> nine hours of this playlist, you can just play, it and, and uh, it's a really good one. But anyway, I just added "Islands in the Stream" on there because it it came nice. up on uh, in my radar again. I was like, oh yeah, I haven't heard that in a while. All right, let's move on here because we'll we have a lot of to talk about. All right, so number nineteen, it's Men Without Hats, the safety dance. Safety dance. Yeah, yeah. Not not. Uh, I like Men Without Hats. Right. That song was not one of my favorites. Not mine either. Yeah, not one of my favorites, but I, I do like some of their stuff that they have. 
Um, I can't think of anything right now, but they have some good stuff. Um, number 18, Eddie Grant. Do you remember? Electric <laughs> Avenue. Electric <laughs> <laughs> Avenue. Again, uh, not one of my favorite tracks of the of the year, um, but a very entertaining song. Yes. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's what it was. It was like a song that was kind of different. Right. It was. It was a catchy tune. It was it very just, catchy, and it yeah, was one yeah. of those things that you can actually be outside, and somebody will say, "You know, where is it at?" It's electric Avenue. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it just became. And then you take it higher. You know, it just yeah. became a. A, a funny thing for people to, to say. So it was a, a, a very popular song. At number 17, we have Rod Stewart with Baby Jane. We talked about Rod Stewart, one of our <laughs> favorite artists of all time. George can't get enough. Uh, Rod. <laughs> George cannot get enough Rod. If anyone Remind me it. to clip that one out. <laughs> Edit. <laughs> Um, number six, <laughs> number 16, Michael Sembello. Yeah. So that was, uh, from the, from the film, uh, Flashdance. Flashdance. Yes. And, uh, that was actually a good, uh, very good film. And I grew up, you know, in the Bronx and, you know, I was sort of a ghetto celebrity. I would break dance and it got out for some reason. Somebody just told a lie that I was in Flashdance. And there's a scene where they're, where they're doing, dun -dun 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 -dun. you know, um, right. where the breakdancing scene is. Um, what's the song? Um, I can't remember. It's just begun. You know that song? Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? So anyway, there's a song and there's a little guy looked just like me at the time, and he's doing all the stuff that I used to do, you know, exactly the stuff. So I got out that that was me. And uh, it's happened to me at least three or four times. I was on the subway one day. I'm on the platform now. Like, That's the guy from Flash. <laughs> I would have moved it. <laughs> and in my head, I'm like, oh, God, please stop. I'm like, and I was so introverted that I didn't even know how to, like, say, it's not me. Right, right. But I just was like, stay quiet and just pay attention and look forward. <laughs> this was before, like, I didn't have any headsets where you can just pretend like you're, like, no. you don't hear anything. But um, but yes, this was a long time ago. So that was um, okay. So that was uh, uh where was that again? Oh yeah, Mania. Uh, number fifteen, Marvin Gaye, "Sexual Healing." Now, isn't Sexual that healing. interesting? I for some reason thought that that song was like much older. Really, like Marvin, Marvin Gaye, "Sexual Healing," nineteen eighty three. I I don't know why, but I I think of Marvin Gaye as like I don't know. I guess I just thought black and white Marvin Gaye from Motown, and not necessarily. Marvin Gaye, close to, unfortunately, when he was uh, taken from us, you know, yeah. um, with sexual healing at in eighty three. Was when did he when did he die? Was that eighty four, eighty five, or I or was that it was later? Early. Was it later? I thought it was earlier, to be honest. <laughs> wow. Um, but I'm not really sure. But I guess yeah. I mean, I I can understand because you know you think about Marvin in the like what maybe the late sixties with Trouble Man and yeah, and, you know, April first, nineteen eighty four. 84 look at that so it was a year later he or that year that later year he wow yeah 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 i remember that too i remember when oh that i remember whole that thing when he that passed was, and i was like that was like his, you know i didn't i at the time i was still young so i didn't understand how big he was yeah you know? yeah yeah, but yeah, yeah I, I didn't probably even i didn't get that either i i just knew that it was, it was all over the news it was a major major thing i mean it was his right. dad and all that stuff so it was the tragedy of how he went out um but the song 
very, very, very good song. I mean, yes. I mean yes. good Lord. I mean, you talk about a song that the title and the energy completely complement themselves so well. Sexual yeah, he created a beautiful song. picture. Yeah, and, and it wasn't like, and, you know, we, we're, we're going to do a show in the future about about uh, music and about love in music and stuff for for, the, for our Valentine's show. And he didn't, he wasn't dirty. Right, correct. You know what I mean? He was correct. just oozing of sexuality and he was, right. and you can feel it in the music and all that. You know, same thing with Barry White. You know, what I mean? it wasn't, you know, it was like very sensual. It was just like almost like a romantic thing, you know, exactly. even though it had that that tension in it, you know, yes. compared to what the stuff that's right now. You know, you girl, I like your booty. Girl, I like your booty. So anyway, I just I just no, wrote that. Very... That will be out. Remind me to clip that one out, too. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, that's on the Spotify playlist, if anyone's interested. <laughs> girl, I like your booty. Girl, I like your booty. But uh, um, no, he did it in a very tasteful way, and that's where you know, Marvin Gaye was just yeah, yeah, he was, he was incredible. Uh, Billy Joel, Uptown Girls, coming in at number fourteen. Let me uh, uh, number fourteen, <laughs> number fourteen. Billy Joel, Uptown Girl, very good song. Um, at the time, it seemed like a song that should have been out in the sixties. Yeah, it had yeah. that. But Billy Joel was a a, cla- a, a <laughs> guy was a monster. He could do anything. You know, that's correct. Like, Uptown Girl and then uh, For the Longest Time was a song that probably should have yes. been out in the 60s. Correct. You know, Correct. but the guy was just an incredible songwriter and is still uh, performing and still selling out places and stuff. Billy Joe. Um, at number 13, we have Paul McCartney and Michael Jackson with Say, Say, Say. You want to you know? You want to hear something funny? Do you know that today I actually heard that song? Are you serious? Yes, I was driving, and I have satellite radio in my car. And do you hear it often, or that was just like a random thing? No, it was just it was today. It was just I hadn't heard it in a while. Uh, My daughter, even my daughter, actually likes that song, and I played the video for her because the video is pretty cool with both of them, McCartney and all that. But today, I just happened to be driving, and I heard it. And every time that song comes on, I'm singing. Yeah, because I I love that song. I That's think it's a great, a great melody. It's, it's a melody. beautiful dynamic between Michael and and Paul. Yeah. It's just yeah. Yeah, and they did another one, um, right? They did another yes. uh, ballad. Uh, girl, girl is, is girl is mine. Yeah, girl is mine. Michael, I'm not gonna take my girl. Um, <laughs> let me see. Number twelve. Oh, Lionel Richie, all night long. I mean, was that song like every? That song was like the song. I mean, we used to crank that up in the car. I mean, that was like the. It's still a great song. It's still a great song. I hear that one. I have that on my playlist too. One Uh, of the one of the memories for him performing that song back then was on the American Music Awards because he won all those awards. Did you see that? Remember that? Remember he performed that song. I. I, I to this day I remember that, that was the best performance, man. Yeah, and he was the king of that that award. Yes, show, right. Yes. Every year he was out there, and he was just yep. like tearing it up with like new hits and everything. I mean, Lionel Richie, man, the '80s, man. Oh, I mean, that was like you know him and Michael Jackson and uh, you know people like that. Those guys, man, they just like were writing pop songs. But that song was so catchy, and it had the video. The music video was really entertaining as well. I, you know, this remember this is uh, the beginning of MTV, right. so a lot of these video, a lot of these songs now for 
for George and myself have images attached to them. Whereas if we go to songs to the seventies and the eighties, we might have concerts attached to them, concert images of image, you know, or even just photos really, you know, uh, stuff. But with, with these songs, immediately the music video comes to mind from the MTV era when MTV used to play music. (laughs) Um, So that was Lionel Richie all night long. Number 11, the Eurythmics, Sweet Dreams Dreams. are made of this. Yep. I love the Eurythmics, not my favorite song. They have a body of work mm -hmm. that's sick. Like time. Yeah, yes, yes. Ridiculous. Mm -hmm. They have so many great songs. This was a great song because it was was their breakout song. You know, it really got them the the, the exposure. And then they can go out and write their stuff that they wrote. So it was really great. And it, was, yep. and it was everywhere. I don't know if you remember, but this song was, the radio would just, and again, the music video, I, I see the music video and very, very much um, part of it. And she was so unique looking. She's beautiful, beautiful. Yes, Short, exactly. white hair, you know, very striking. You're like, whoa, what is this going on? You know, and it was, um, right. so she was dynamic. I loved, I loved uh, the Eurythmics. She was great. Mm-hmm. Um, Nina, 99 Red Balloons. <laughs> Number 10. Uh, yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. No. It, you know, it was, a, it was a German song. Yeah. Popular. It was, I think it was a popular German song. I think my, my wife told me that. She was like, you know, I it was a German song. That. It was like, <laughs> 99. You know, something like that. She mentioned it to me, and I was like, I, I could see why the, the American version was such a hit. But um, it was not something that I would – it was on all the time, so it would play. And you know, remember, remember, people, we had only radios. That's right. There was no internet. There was no. <laughs> I couldn't. I could. I didn't have a Spotify playlist. It was that's like right. if you played on the radio, that's what you were hearing. Now exactly. you had your records, so you can just play your records. But the radio was where you found the music. Exactly. Where you found new stuff that was coming on. You know, and yep. and you know, you were always anticipating for something new. So, you know, it came on and you had to listen to 99 Red Balloons, you know? Yep. You're right. You're right. Um, never got that 100. <laughs> um, UB40. Well, 1983 is UB40. <laughs> if you were born in 1983, UB40 right now. Um, UB40, Red, Red Wine. Red wine. So, um, a song that Neil Diamond's uh, uh, song. When he sang it, I love it. Not a huge fan of the UB40 version of it. Now, UB40 themselves, they're great. They yeah. have some really, really great songs and, and just a great band altogether. But the song, uh, I don't know, what, do you, what are your thoughts on it? You I love it. No, no. It was my wedding song, John. <laughs> All right. Yes, I confess. No, um, it's not a, no, it's, I mean, it's okay. You know, and the, but the funny thing is that it was many, many years that I did not know that that was a remake. Oh, really? Oh, yes, yeah. You know what? I probably, yeah, probably the same thing with me. Until I was well yeah. older that I actually did not know that. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, I, it's, 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 it's interesting when you find those songs that you don't, and then you hear an old version of them, you're like, holy yeah. cow, I didn't know that that, that song was yeah, actually. Oh, yeah, look, Neil Diamond remade this song by UB40. <laughs> And he's so silly. He made it like 30 years ago. <laughs> he remade it 30 years ago. Um, no, I just, I think 
It's, it's, I mean, I love Neil Diamond, right? Yes. Neil Diamond. Diamond I, mean, I could do a whole show on Neil Diamond. My mom, again, yeah. was a huge, huge Neil Diamond fan. Right. Um, so I got to hear all that stuff, you know. Not one of my favorite Neil Diamond songs. I mean, he's got like songs no, he's got, that, are, that are just ridiculous. Got incredible songs. Yeah, just so, so good. Um, but yeah, that's uh, UB40. So we're going to go um, number eight. We're uh, getting down to the end here. Uh, number eight is Bonnie Tyler, Total Eclipse of the Heart. I I, I think it's a beautiful song. Yeah. I, here's what I thought about that, what I think about that song. That song, when it first came out, it, it, it I think it took the world by storm. Yes. Like, her voice was just you know so yes. good, so strong, so distinctive also. Right. Like, you knew it was her. Um, and But then as the song kind of like, for me anyway, it, it grew almost, it was, it seemed too, very theatrical. Yeah, it gives and me it a, a, a very vibe. Right. I was just funny. You said meatloaf. I was gonna mention meatloaf. I should have said it yes. earlier. I was gonna mention meatloaf. It gives me a meatloaf vibe. <laughs> that well, one. I went out to dinner last night and <laughs> it was not fully cooked, and I had a meatloaf, meatloaf vibe. And uh, you know, yeah, that that was something that um, that's what it that's what it feels like to me. But I, and I could see him seeing that. I like completely. Yeah, right, 100%, you know? yeah, totally clips of the heart. You know, I could totally see him singing that, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's but I, but I, yeah, but I do, I do like it though. I think it's, it's a well, good song, it's a good song. I think it's well put together. Um, but yeah, I no, understand, I can see what you're saying about it. Yeah, though, yeah, right? it's, it's a good song. Really, I, I think it's, it was very theatrical. And I think the yes. music video, it's so weird. Um, you know, the the images on that are, that are happening there really don't align with anything that make sense of the song which right. i love when that happens because you're like all right i could just watch the video and not have to be like oh okay he's gonna get the girl or exactly. meets the love of her life <laughs> now at the end and then they walk off in three minutes she fell in love you know mm. um but no this was just kind of bizarre images and and i i, I love stuff like that yep all right so we're going on here number seven culture club do you really want to hurt me now i'm a huge boy george fan um, not this song in particular, okay. but he's got some some other songs like Time. Again, I mentioned another song. Yeah, Time is a good song. Time, Time is, is a good, good song. Yes, I, I agree. Time I agree. So yeah, it's a very it's a very driving song. It's a very uh, like yeah, that's a beautiful groove to it. You know, and his voice is really great in it. Yes, Boy uh, yes. George is really a great singer. You know, I yeah, mean, he, he kind of you know he kind of came in and shocked everybody because of the, right. the way you know the 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 look and stuff mm -hmm. um but you know he was one of those guys that delivered you know mm -hmm. i mean it wasn't like he came out for just to show that he was this guy and then didn't have the goods he had the goods you know yes and he still has the yes. goods. He's still singing um but definitely uh uh that so that was number seven mm -hmm. um number six david bowie let's dance what a unbelievable Amazing. song <laughs> love this song that song is one song that i will never shut off no that song stays on and it's, funny thing is if that song comes on and it's halfway through i'll go find it and play it all the way through so yes like, yes i, I can't yes. miss this song and it's it drives and and you know i mean bowie was one of the the most 
exciting and unique, uniquely creative individuals to ever walk the earth. He was such a true artist. You know what I mean? Yes. I mean, a true artist. Like he did not really bow to anyone. He did exactly what he wanted to do. He wore what he wanted to wear. He wrote what he wanted to write. And it, and this is the proof of that. You know, this song yes. is a song that you would not think that he would put out, come out with. And he just, it, and it was such a, a perfect song for him, you know, because exactly, but it's also, he put Bowie to it, you know, Correct. I mean? and it's like, you know, it's amazing. And of course, if you, uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan to, well, yeah. And I, that you were the one that let me know that he was on that track, but what I didn't know on that track was Nile Rogers played most oh, of yeah? the song, uh, most of the guitar on that. Yeah, as well as doing a lot of the mixing on that, and Omar Hakim played the drums. And Omar Hakim was the drummer. Yeah, yeah. Actually, um, Stevie was asked by Bowie to go on tour with him, and Bowie, uh, Bowie, uh, Stevie said he didn't want to go because he wanted to record his own his his own album and stuff. You know, right. and he wanted to do his thing. So he actually turned down David Bowie to go <laughs> do it, to go do his thing. So. Um, but yeah, that was the first time, um, that I heard that guitar from Stevie Ray Vaughan. Mm -hmm. Now I didn't know about Stevie Ray Vaughan until probably about a few years later, you right. know, when Texas flood came out right around that time, but I didn't hear about Texas flood till years later, you know, right. um, it wasn't until like 80, 88, you know, like 88, 89 that I started like hearing Stevie Ray Vaughan and I was like, Oh my God, this Danny, he blew my mind, you know? So Stevie and uh and bowie on that track was just incredible you know and Agreed. it's a great Agreed. driving song too yeah and it's i mean it's funny you know i it's such a it is a long song and has, for yeah. radio they cut it for radio but it's just it's when much longer than song, it, yeah. it has yeah. a lot of really cool parts in it and, yes. more, and more guitar too which is correct probably one of the reasons why he did that yeah you know because it's such a good groove you're like man let's not cut this up man. Let's oh, just, no. let this let that this flew all right um okay so um okay so now we're gonna go to the guy who controlled the 80s uh number five is michael jackson beat it beat it so uh, wait, <laughs> i thought you were gonna well what, what do you, what you say? say you know, you know it's what, it's I, interesting you were i think in in the impact that that i felt when I heard that, first of all, the video, right? Watching the video was a was a, a million thing, times too, right? But the impact of that for me was he came off of that real the really poppy stuff, yeah. right? With the off the wall and all these other things, right? That were more very pop, and all of a sudden it's this driving riff, which was uh, played by Steve Lukather, uh -huh. and this this rock heavy driving song, Jeff Bacar on drums and eddie van halen so, on guitar and i'm like holy cow where did he get come up with this you know yeah. completely blew me away and i again i'm 11 years old and i'm like yeah holy cow yeah this so, this uh i mean michael jackson in general i think we all know what happened when he came out but you know it happened a few years earlier you know when he was on the uh, 25th anniversary of the motown right, everybody right. knows that that famous uh when he came out and he did billy jean and he did the moonwalk and the whole the next day <laughs> george you you were young yes but i do remember that the next day the world was different yes like the world yes. shifted yes. something right. happened in the world 
right after Motown 25th, where people were, I went to school, and everybody was, did you see Michael Jackson? He was doing the move. He was, did you see that? Did you see that? You know, and it was like, and then the songs came out, and then it was over, took over the world. Um, but Beat It was one of those videos that, till this day, that song is being, you know, the, the, they're doing songs, they're doing the flash uh, mobs and stuff like that, where they move. And they do the dances and they're all the same, you know, so epic. Yes. I mean, such an yes. epic song, such a um, a moment in history where music really elevated to something that was new, you know, and that's right. kind of like what we we talk about now, you know, like what's the next thing that's going to blow us away? You know what I Correct. mean? It's like we're, we're, we're waiting, you know, um, reggaeton maybe. No, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> for me, it was like, you know, I just think that, also, Michael Jackson's genius was not only Michael Jackson. You mentioned oh, no. some musicians that were there. That yeah, were like, it was Quincy I mean, Jones Steve too. Luther, Quincy Jones, Eddie Van Halen, uh, Picaro on drums. You know, what I mean, the best of the best. Yes, making this track happen and just the Thriller album in itself was yes. was just uh, an incredible. Now, when I mentioned uh, that, that gentleman, I wanted to. Yeah, talk we're going to talk about well. that. We'll talk about that. As, we'll yeah. Talk about that for sure. So. All right, so let's go to number four. It's Culture awesome. Club. Thank you, Leah, by the way. Got a heart from Leah. Oh, thank you, Leah. I appreciate it. Love, love, love. Um, so Culture Club, uh, Karma Chameleon. You know, I'm I I get torn with that song. I mean, there I, there's sometimes where I'm in the mood for it, and there's sometimes where I'm not. Right, like when you're dressed as a woman. Yeah, well, you're really course, into it. That's, and that's only on Saturday. As a Viking. Saturday. You, <laughs> you like. Um, <laughs> no, I know exactly what you mean, though, because it is a fun song. It is a, yeah, correct. a fun song. It is a fun song. And, and that's the thing about music. You know, we, we, we sometimes get a little bit too significant about yeah. too significant about music. And it's like, at the end of the day, do people enjoy listening to it? Right. Right. That's that's the bottom line, you know. It, has, right. it had nothing to do with like the 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 level of like, oh well, I like what he did on here. Where he they changed keys and then they modulated and they did, you know, that's all fun and and dandy and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, it's like, do people like it? And people were walking around going, "Come come 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 you know, and they just really are into it. You know, so no, you're good, right, good and it, there's a yeah, exact. But the, the the other part of it is the mood, right? So, like certain right. songs that I listen to, it depend on the mood that I'm in. Sure. And if I'm in a you know a fun mood, yeah, that song would completely, I would love it. But then if I'm yeah. in another type of mood, I don't, I'm like, I don't want to hear it. You yeah, know like so. if you're like laying down ready for bed, and somebody's like, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, can you turn that that thing? Yeah, my wife yeah. does that all the time. <laughs> Right in your ear. Come on, come on, come on. Not even the record. She's just singing in your ear. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. And you're like, what are you doing? I got to go to work in the morning. Um, all right. So hold on. Let's see. Where else? Culture Club. Um, okay. So number three, Michael Jackson, Billie Jean. Billie Jean, again. Again. What I mean, can you just, say? That when, those drums, when those drums start, it's over. Epic. Yes. Epic. I mean, you don't even need to know. My, my kids. Yes. My son, who's six years old, when those drums starts, he knows that's Billie Jean. Yep. You know, what I mean, that's and it. and it's that's going to be for a, a long time. And the thing about it also is that the the drum pattern is not super complex. No, it's, it's a, a very straightforward. Indugu Chancellor plays it very straightforward. Right? 
and and I love how the simplicity of it goes with the melody of it. Right. right? Where exactly. everything in the song is not super complex, you know, but the just man, I mean Billy Billy Jean, what a song. And the video, of course, you know, we have these images in our head of him walking and those lights turning on, yep. watching the Absolutely. video over and over again and saying like, oh, look, oh, see how when he disappears, the steps still go and the lights still go and trying to analyze the, uh, the, the, the videos and stuff. So an epic, epic song, an epic Agreed. artist. Agreed. Um, number two, the police, every breath you take. You want to hear something interesting? So. I'm a huge police fan. I'm a huge Sting fan. A lot of people. I know, know what you're that. gonna say because I'm saying the same thing. This is not one of my favorite songs. No, it's not. There, it, it's this, and I and I get it. I know this is you know at the time this was the song everybody loved it. Blah blah blah. To me, the song is like monotonous to the whole thing. Yeah. It just goes, you know, maybe four or five I mean, chords. It has that little song. oh, can't you? See? Yeah, it has that it little, has part, that but, little section, but overall. The song is about a stalker. An obsessive, yeah, an obsessive it's about person. a very uh, dangerous stalker which needs to be stopped. Yes. Um, you know, it's going on 40 years and it's still he's still trying to follow this. Um, yeah, but you know, I, but the, yeah, the song it to me is just like yeah, when I, I, I and, yeah. get yeah, I, I actually don't even like it. Like if it comes on, I don't listen to it, and, and it's not anything to do about the police because i love the police i mean the synchronicity oh, albums are forget like about it. Yeah, forget it they're about nuts it. the um i mean all that stuff that you know it, every little thing she does is magic is like one of yes. my favorite songs of all time yes agreed. you know what i mean uh, just incredible so the roxanne and all those things just great great songs this one not my favorite i agree not, not police song you know not right. my favorite police song but it is number two for 1983. And ladies and gentlemen, we are at number one. The number, number one, one song. One. Yeah. The number one song of 1983. Um, but first, a note from Michelle. Michelle writes, New case. My, My husband, dog died. <laughs> My husband does not like lasagna. Um. So the number one song is Irene Cara, Cara who recently passed away. Who recently way. passed away, Flashdance, Water Feeling. So um, Irene Cara, man, she was amazing. What a voice and what yes. incredible hits. And, yep. you know, she did the, the Flashdance records and stuff like that, but she had hits before and after that, you yep. know, really, really great, great songs. Um, this year was that year of that film, so right, these songs were really, really hot for her. Um, and I think the what was the other one that she had in there? I think there was one earlier on, right? That I mentioned, or maybe not. Uh, hold on, did, she? did you? Maybe not. No, no I guess not. No, I was thinking of a, another song, or uh, maybe it was like later on the list because I was looking, I've been looking at the whole list, and there's a lot of uh mentions there of people, you know. Uh, Billy Joel again, and and David Bowie with China Girl, and right. Michael Jackson is there again with Want to Be Starting Something. <laughs> you know, I mean, it just it's kind of. I mean, this is the top one hundred. I mean, Michael Jackson is in it a bunch of times. Jeez. So that was the number one song of uh, wow. nineteen eighty three. Irene Cara uh, from Flashdance. What a feeling! Interesting. 
Yeah, and definitely uh, um, condolences to Irene Carroll and family yes. and friends and everything because she was really an amazing artist. Um, and so that's our list. We're, we're going to take a moment because we want to actually acknowledge a, a songwriter that maybe a lot of people really don't know um, did the work that he did in uh, yeah. the 80s. <laughs> And yes, we're probably thrown away that this one dude wrote the songs that uh, some of them that we uh, we talked about today. Yeah, uh, I have a I have a little list of of just a little little snippet of of things. So yeah, so um, the, over to George. Oh, thank you. There, there was Take a away, so there, George. <laughs> George. Just go ahead whenever you're ready. Just Damn you. do it. <laughs> Sorry. Ah, John, you always know how to take my spotlight. It's all about you. Anyway, um, <clears throat> so there was a gentleman in the in this era who was writing amazing, amazing material. And his name, and some of you may or may have not heard of him, his name was Rod Temperton. And the reason why you guys should know about him is because I'll give you uh, an example of the songs that he wrote. Not only wrote, but he arranged them. So here's just a few examples of the songs that he wrote. Thriller, Always and Forever, Baby Be Mine, Michael Jackson, Baby Come to Me, Patty Austin and James Ingram, Boogie Nights, Give Me the Night, George Benson, Groove Line, uh, Ladies, uh, Ladies Night, The Lady in My Life, Michael Jackson, Love Times Love, George Benson, Off the Wall, Michael Jackson, Stomp, The Brothers Johnson, Sweet Freedom, Michael McDonald. Rock With You, Michael Jackson. And Yamo Be There, uh, Mike, uh, James Ingram and Michael McDonald. Sick. <laughs> I mean, if you write two of those songs, no, if you write one of those songs, you have a career, right? If you write, if you wrote, if you want, uh, what he wrote, uh, want to be given, uh, give me uh, the Michael Jackson song, the... Uh, he wrote. Th he wrote thriller. He wrote thriller. <laughs> thriller. If you just write thriller in your career, you have a full career, right? If you write, if you only wrote that one song for Michael Jackson, you're a songwriter. You're going to be writing for the rest of your life, even if any of the songs are don't become hits after that. You have a career. This dude did it over and over and over again. Yes, and he was. He was to, just to give some backstory. He was the keyboard player for the band Heatwave, and he wrote all of their hits, or I think most of their hits. And then uh, Quincy Jones really loved his writing and tapped him to start working with the Michael Jackson stuff, and that's how that started. So he started writing a lot of those Michael Jackson hits. Literally, he wrote them and arranged them. The players actually who actually talk about him to this day say we just came in and played what he said to play. He arranged wow. all these things and. The interesting story about for those of you who like Thriller, um, you know, the Vincent Price part at the end when he actually does that little rap. Well, mm -hmm. the story goes that uh, that the night before Vincent Price was supposed to do that in the studio, Quincy Jones called Rod Temperton and said, listen, Vincent Price was supposed to come and just ad lib something. But we didn't we don't know what he was going to say. So he says, I'm afraid that he might get stuck. So he says, uh -huh. can you write something for him just in case we need something? So he says, sure. When I wake up in the morning, I'll write it. This is a little British guy, by the way. Yeah. So in the morning, he write, in the morning he gets up in the morning. He forgets he has a meeting with an another guy. So he's, he's in the meeting with this guy. And then after meeting, he's supposed to go to the studio and meet Vincent Price. So right at the end of the meeting, Quincy Jones calls him, says, how's that thing going? 
He goes, oh, I'm almost done. He hadn't written one lick. He gets in the cab with a piece of paper and from the cab ride to the studio writes three verses. Okay, three verses. When he gets to the studio, there is a limo outside and coming out of that limo is Vincent Price. Oh, so he tells the cab to go to the back of the studio so he can go in the back entrance, runs in, photocopies the lyrics, and runs to the studio and puts them right on top of the music stand before Vincent Price walks in. Oh, and Vincent Price comes in and does two out of the three of the verses that he wrote. Oh, my. <laughs> Unbelievable. I just put at the bottom there of the screen uh, secondhandsongs.com artist, and it's actually a direct link to, uh, to uh, Rod's uh, songs. Yes. You can actually check out the list of stuff because he also did um, Heat Wave. Yes. Um, Donald Summer. Yeah. Um, he did the Donald Summer Love is in Control. Um, Love is just a breath away. I mean, he's, all these uh, the Manhattan Transfer. Oh, wow. Manhattan Transfer. Yeah, they had a song that he did that Anita Baker had uh, remade later on. Wow. But he was wow. famous for writing two for for coming up with two hundred um, song titles before he actually settled on one. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's wow. that's Mr. Rod Temperton. So, yeah, if you guys get a chance to check out his stuff or anything any, on YouTube, Rod Temperton, he was an amazing man, he passed away in 2016. But, uh, you know, Michael Jackson, a lot of his stuff wouldn't have been what it was if it wasn't for him. So what amazes me is that he um, uh, arranged it. Yes, he also arranged. I mean, it. He he was brilliant. That's what Quincy Jones loved about him is that he had this. He was a brilliant arranger as well. And that's what that's, he. Was, that's the thing that really is is just shocking to me that yes. he was able to arrange. Um, yeah, every part, every little part of Thriller was all him. Yeah, I'm just gonna put his name at the bottom there so people can just see what it what it uh, what is. Yep, Rod Temperton. Yep, you have a chance. Yeah, check him out, <laughs> folks, because. I mean, uh, really respect the songwriters. You know, they they sometimes don't get uh, the uh, the recognition that they deserve, um, especially when a song gets really, really a huge hit. I mean, everyone is thinking like that new Michael Jackson song, that new Michael Jackson song, and nobody's saying that new Rod. Exactly. <laughs> you know. Exactly. So, but yeah, that's awesome, man. Thank you for that. Cool. So we are uh, about ten minutes to eight. Uh, we have no time limit here. Um, we are gonna just finish what we started just like michael jackson did he write that one too <laughs> he probably did probably. <laughs> um but so george and i decided that'd be fun now george you probably already saw some of my list there because you, you could see some other photos that i picked but anyway, i didn't even look I didn't, you didn't look. look okay good so we decided that we were going to pick our top favorite artists or, or songs, songs um of the 1983 year and then discuss why it was part, you know, why we chose that and what, what was the significance behind the reason we chose that and to see what we come up with. So I don't know what George picked. George doesn't know what I picked. So whenever you's ready, I'm, uh, you can go and uh, we can start. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> um, go first. Some... we're going to do it from five to one. Yeah. And I don't know. Did, did we say that they had to be from this list or it could just be 1983? Um, it could just be 1983, I guess. I mean, yeah, I mean, because some, some of mine are on the uh, list, but there are, are some that not. are not. Right, right, right. From this, yeah. List. I mean, it's his favorite songs of 1983. Yeah, I, yeah, I, so I, I used the list because that's what I had in front of me. Right. But right. If I probably, 
probably would have Googled something. I would have probably found something, something else. Yeah. But I, I mean, for, okay. for me, th this list is, uh, is pretty accurate. No, I agree. Okay. So, all right. So again, I'm a guy who loves melody. I'm a guy who loves a good, like a, the songs that <laughs> really just capture me, whether it could be a ballad, it could be a fast song. doesn't matter to me. So anyway, my, my number five song is not on this list, but it was actually, it was actually came out in 83. And I, and I built a new respect for this song recently because I really saw the chord structures in it and I was, I was so blown away. So my number five song is never going to let you go by Sergio Mendez. Oh, when I saw Rick Beato, Rick Beato's video, I remember that. Talk about this song. I could not believe it. Now, this is a song, again, I love this song. I've one of those songs that I'll sing to every time I hear it. Great. It's, I just think it's a beautifully written song. That was 83, song. huh? It was 83. It actually initially was written or it was first done in 82, but it actually became big in 83. Right, right. That's right. when it actually came out. So oh, I'm surprised that's, it yeah, must so be that, on the list, but probably down further down yeah, or something. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it was on his 1983 self-titled album. That's amazing. That that was one of those songs. Actually, when I saw the Rick Beato thing, it also blew me away because I had yes. no idea. You know, it's because it seems like such an easy song that that to sing. You know what I mean? Correct. Correct. But when you try to play it, you're like, what the? Yeah, it was actually just so you know, it was first recorded by Dion Warwick in '82. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yes, and uh, but it was not like you know, it was it was only recorded for like a. Um, I think it was for a, like a movie, movie or TV or, or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. But the rendition that we know of was 80, was Sergio Mendez' 83 self-title album. Interesting. Well, yes. Sergio Mendez, uh, it was 83, number 83 on the top 100 of 1983. Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. And we're going to let you go. Yeah, so it was it was up there for sure. Yeah, and then it's funny. Sometimes that happens. You know, Dionne Warwick also sung um, That's What Friends Are For for the film Night Shift, which had uh, Henry Winkler, uh, Henry Winkler, Kelly that's Long, right, and uh, right, Michael right. Keaton. Um, and at the end of the song, he sang this beautiful, it was Rod Stewart, actually. No, no I'm sorry. Rod Stewart sang the song at okay. the end of Night Shift. Night Shift, okay. And then Dionne Warwick and, uh, well, who was it? Uh, oh, jo Elton John and... John, Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder, yes. Gladys Knight, I think. Was it Gladys Knight? No, uh, Dionne Warwick, Elton John, Stevie. Wasn't it those three? No, I thought it was four. I, oh, it was I could four. be wrong, but I thought it was three. Oh, I thought it was four. Um, I got to check again. Now, now I have to check. But anyway, um, I'll check as soon as uh, you. When you do okay. number four, I'll check. I'm gonna okay. My, my so are we, back. you're going to. Okay, so you get. So, um, <laughs> my number five. Um, so my well, number five is. <laughs> 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 my number five is Billy Jean. Ah, um, nice. Michael Jackson, Billy Jean. Oh, this is Beat It. <laughs> Let's beat it. I hit the wrong thing. <laughs> Sorry. Billy Jean. Um, nice. So the the Billy Jean track at the time when it came out, because I was kind of out, you know, I was at the age of I was 15, 16 years old, and I was kind of like, you know, out there and doing some little break dancing. And I was kind of like, I was just like, you know, it's out there and stuff. It, it was such a huge thing, but we had cable in my house. We had HBO, uh, MTV, and we had some channels and stuff. So right. people would come to my house and learn Michael Jackson moves off of my screen. So I would stand with them. And I had a friend of mine who was an actual Michael Jackson impersonator. He used to come and dress and everything. Wow. And he would do shows and everything. But he would come to my house to rehearse and because uh -huh. I, I had the thing. 
so we would watch it, and I just remember just being so amazed by his his presence on stage, you know, his mm -hmm. uh, just coming through the screen and stuff, and it was just such a an incredible thing. This was also an era a lot of people don't, you know. Right now, we we kind of a celebrity. You can go to their Twitter, you can go to their Facebook, their Instagram, their Snapchat, their TikTok, whatever you can, and you could see them interacting sometimes in real time. Yes. You can see them on talk shows. You can see them on a, a, a whole bunch of, you can just, they're very accessible to at least view, you know, right. whereas yeah. back in 1983, you only got to see them on MTV. Yes. And if you were lucky right. enough to be able to buy a ticket to go see Michael Jackson, you know, and right. the award shows. Right. So the award shows were massive when Michael Jackson would come out at the, on the Grammys or whatever and perform the world stopped. I was just like, I, yeah. I watching Michael Jackson's going to be out tonight. Everybody's running home to go watch Michael Jackson, you know, uh, cause it was the only time that we got to see, yep. the, you know, the, the guys that we want to, that we want to see, you know? So that was my number, uh, my number five. Cool. Cool. Absolutely. All right. So my number four, my number four is actually one that we went over. Uh, this list is, um, the Michael Jackson, Paul McCartney, say, 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 ah, again it's funny how i heard that today and i was thinking about it and i was like oh look at that it's on my list but um yeah it's the again the video is very entertaining it's a lot of fun to watch them interact and just <clears throat> all the things that they do they like dress like clowns and they're you know doing all these things but you know it's a beautiful collaboration between them two you yeah. know and yeah, you, know, you don't again you don't see that. these you don't see a lot of that stuff like that, you yeah. know, the way, the way they did it, at least yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. today, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was funny. Cause you hear stories about uh, Michael Jackson and, uh, you know, later on they had a little bit of, uh, um, um, they had a, yeah, I know they had a, hey, Brian, thank you very much. Brian is welcome. Thank you, sir. Loves a new background. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate it. Um, but you know, they had a little bit of something cause Michael Jackson went to Paul and he was like, uh, he goes, I'm going to own your, your music. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Paul's like, yeah. what are you talking about? And uh, and he ended up doing it, you know, but he yeah. did at Paul did get his stuff back, you know, right. eventually and stuff. But you know, people don't realize that Michael Jackson was also a very, very shrewd businessman as well. Yes. Yes. You know, he yes. Uh, was, you know, very um knew what he wanted and you know, and just got it, you know. And, and Paul admitted that the Beatles were very naive about their music. Well, yeah, mm -hmm. well, uh, you know, we're looking at the sixties. Where, remember, money did not come into music till the 50s when Elvis Presley. Right. Elvis Presley showed you can make a million dollars with music. And then people right. are like, oh, wait a minute, Elvis Presley, you know, did that. And, you know, and there were other artists at that, you know, during that time as well. But Elvis was the one that really just blew it out of the water. And then the right. Beatles, of course, took it to another level. So then people were now realizing, oh, we can, they don't know anything. Right. They can sign off their publishing. They could sign off everything, and they just we we just give them money for their shows. So here's you know, and if you're 20 years old and somebody hands you a hundred thousand dollars, you're rich, right? You I'm know, agree. but they're realizing that you just made ten million dollars, right? Everyone else took it, you know. So that's that's part of what was going on back then. So yeah, you know, and Michael, I think, had his father, who was kind of a you know, had his his. Uh, you know, his issues are right. from what I've read. I don't know because I wasn't there. So I don't like to judge in that way, but 
from what I've read, I know that there was some stuff, even from Michael's own accounts, there were some moments that were rough on, on you know, so I think a lot of the money was, was, was really held pretty yes, tight. I, I, you know, they, we're going to get every dime, you know, we get. So just to backtrack, that's what Friends of Four, it was Dionne Warwick, Gladys Knight, Elton John, oh, and Stevie Wonder. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So I missed And that. weirdly, Gallagher, he was singing <laughs> just the back. No. Um, I thought it was Carrot Top. <laughs> <laughs> I love Carrot Top, actually. Carrot Top is hilarious. Mm. Um, <laughs> I like Gallagher, too, actually. He's hilarious, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if he can sing, though. Um, all right. So my number, where am I up to? Four? Uh, I did I not. Did I did my number four. Okay, yeah. So I'm doing my number four. So now my number four is. Ah. So and this again, same reasons. My my five and four are basically the same. It's because Michael Jackson to me during that era, that jacket right there that he's wearing, I would never wear it because I'd be embarrassed to wear it. Um, <laughs> you know, and I would look ridiculous if you can imagine the short little Puerto Rican walking down the Bronx wearing wearing that, but. Yeah, um, but it would it would yeah, not like that that break dancing you had that. when you were, you know, 1981. Come on. That's true. <laughs> That's true. I had my windbreakers with the white stripes and stuff. Exactly. But um but yeah, I I would not be able to pull that off. But anyway, Michael Jackson was just a huge influence on on me and and my whole family and pretty much everybody. So that was my number 4. Okay. My number 3 is again kind of going back to uh mel more of a melodic thing and again i i'm a sucker for ballads for really a really really good ballad um so i'm kind of going back to the ballad piece now again this is something that was in the was in that year but it wasn't on this list it's probably down in the list but it's um baby come to me by patty austin and james ingram oh yeah oh that's a I great love, song. i love that song one of my that's favorite ballads song. And it was again written by Rod Temperton, and Man, that, <laughs> that dude, yeah, and yeah, and it's just yeah, it's one of my favorite ballads just of all time. So I every time it comes wow. on, I listen to it, and um, you know, they, I love James Ingram. I've always loved James Ingram. Actually, yeah, he 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 has significance to me because he did a song with John Tesh that was my wedding song. Oh, that's right. I remember. And um, I've always liked his voice. I, I kind of liken him to Michael McDonald a little bit, and I'm mm -hmm. a big Michael McDonald fan as well. Yeah. Um, so I've always liked him. Patty Austin is Patty Austin. I mean, she's just an incredible yeah, she, singer. Yeah, she's amazing. So, uh, yeah. So that's my number three. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. We uh, lost him too early, too, man. I mean, yes. Yeah, absolutely. And oh, by the way, you, uh, fun fact he wrote PYT. Um, James Ingram? Really? Yeah. I heard this the other day. Uh, I didn't know so, that. yeah, it was Quincy Jones and one of his buddies. The guy that was with him was telling the story that they were both in the car. These young girls were next to them in the car. And they were like, hey, where are you guys going? And they were like, oh, you know, they were chatting. They were beautiful girls. And they're like, okay, I'm, they're going to a party in Beverly Hills. So they girls drove off. And the guy goes, um, oh, those are some pretty young girls. And Quincy Jones goes, yeah, PYT, pretty young girl. Oh yeah, pretty pretty young thing. That's what it was. Pretty young thing. Yeah. He goes, PYT. He goes, that's a great thing for a song. So he calls James Ingram and he gives him the pitch, and James Ingram writes the song like two days later. 
Wow. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> wow. I didn't know that. I didn't, yeah. I never knew that. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, Quincy Jones and James Ingram did some great yes. stuff together also. And so, you know, that's the thing about music and it's such a, it becomes such a family yeah. calling people up and just like, Hey, check this out. You know, there was no, like, like he didn't like Quincy Jones didn't say like, Oh, I'm going to go home and write this now. Right. Yeah. No, he called him up and say, Hey, write it. And he wrote it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like the, the being able to give the love and give the, give the pitch. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, that's wonderful. I love that. That's awesome. All right. So my, uh, next one is by Gallagher. Actually, no. My next one is actually <laughs> crush the watermelon. Yeah, written by Rob. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I struggled a little bit with these two next songs to be three and um, three and two, but um, my number three is uh, the one that I had mentioned. Uh, my mom ah, into and. Part of the reason why I think it's it's really you know music is emotional right I mean yes. it's, you know it, it strikes I was talking about this on a on a, a thing that I was on uh, last week and we were talking about music and how music goes directly to the spirit you know there's right. no beers right? right like our eyes have to see art we have to see a movie we have to you know what I mean we have to experience certain paintings and and with our eyes. But music, it goes whoosh. You can have your eyes closed. You can be asleep. You can be whatever it is. It'll just boom. It goes right there. And it's very right. direct. And so for me, when I, whenever I hear that song, immediately I think of mom. I think of that time. I think of um, Westchester Avenue, Southern Boulevard. I think of yeah. all those, the, that whole neighborhood, basically. And um, so that for me is, is number uh, three. All right. Any right, Dolly Parton, and we're in Tennessee now, where Dolly Parton lives, and um, um, my son loves Jolene, which is one of the oh nice, songs. Yeah. so nice. we were singing in the car, Jolene, Jolene. So it's a good, good time. Dolly Parton, lover. All right, absolutely. All right, so my number two is again a song we did talk about uh, here on this list. It's "Let's Dance" by David Bowie. Nice that's uh, yeah it's, it's, it's incredible yeah no, there's no way you cannot listen to that song and just like fall no. in love with it and fall in love with the groove and no, it, you know there's a million musicians on that song but we have to also it, talk about the, the i'm sorry go ahead no no i was just gonna say there's a million musicians on the song who made that song great and and driving you know but man what a great tune we have to also talk about the production value. Yes. Right? Yes. The production was so clean and it was so it popped. Everything was so well balanced on that song. And you heard Stevie's guitar in the background. You know, yes. you heard it. It was like, and, and I know it's him because I, I know that guitar sound. You know what exactly. I mean? Like I, I can exactly. hear it when those notes come, you know, it's just it's just awesome. So yeah, but it's interesting. It I, I'm wondering. It's interesting how you would get a a guy who's a, a primarily a blues guy, yeah, right? I mean, a, a completely a blues guy, only a a blues, right, guy. right? A blues guy to to be on a track like that. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like it's not something you would normally associate, right? But again, that's the genius of uh, of, of Bowie. Of Bowie, he just yeah. he, he, he hears it. it. He's like, that's the guy, you know. That's yeah, the guy, you know, and uh, um, yeah. So that's that's awesome. That's awesome. Yep. So that was your number two? 
That was my number two. Okay, so my my number two is Lionel Richie, All Night Long. Ah, nice. Yeah, I mean, this song for me, till this day, when this song comes out, it just, it, I stop, I listen to it, uh, I try to still sing that that part that, that I can never sing correctly. <laughs> yeah. John um, Robinson on drums. Yeah, John Robinson on drums. Um, well, John Robinson was kind of on every kind of bunch of stuff there. Um, but yeah, that song for me was uh, also it. It is very nostalgic, obviously, 1983, yes. and I'm that that age where I'm realizing life. You know, right. almost like I'm right. aware now of music and mm-hmm. enjoyment of music and dancing, and that, that kind of part of it was just entering my universe so you hear songs like this they just really just capture you and again my mom huge fan and she always played this record she had a little record and she would always play that so Lionel Richie all night long and now George's number one my number one is pretty straightforward. We've talked we talked about it, but it it definitely was just one of the things that blew Rod away. Stewart's. <laughs> Maggie May, no, Maggie. Um, I wasn't even out there. Um, <laughs> I was on there. Mary Jane was on there. Um, yeah. So my my number one is is just always going to be the classic. Beat it, Michael Jackson. That's right. Uh, just, you know, just incredible stuff again with Eddie Van Halen on there, you know, uh, Steve, uh, Steve Picaro, Jeff Picaro. Actually, you had three of the members of Toto on there, (laughs) uh, produced by Quincy Jones and, uh, songwriting Michael Jackson. Just again, just a beautiful driving rock tune that just, that, that just, just blows you away. It's just, Yeah. yeah. And I remember, Again, I remember as a kid, that was one of my fondest memories of being affected by that song. Yeah. Listening to that song. I actually had the album. Yeah, yeah. Had the album. I had the poster of Michael, that poster that you had of Michael leaning like this. I had that yeah, poster yeah. in my room. Yeah, yeah. You took you know, out, you took down my picture. I remember and you put that one up. I remember. Yeah, that. that's exactly what I did. Yeah, You're I absolutely like, right. Like, you and know because, what? I, well, actually, I, didn't, I didn't have to because your picture was so small that I could just. Put... <laughs> <laughs> I can't even be mad. <laughs> but yes, yeah, you know what I was thinking about that song also yes. that his vocals on that song was again yes so perfect mm-hmm. like these are these are songs that cannot really be cre- recreated no. I'm sure somebody at somewhere down the line will try you know what I mean right. but they're not songs that you can just create right you know, I mean how many covers of Michael Jackson's beat it are there out there I don't think <laughs> I've never heard one. <laughs> who would have the cojones to do yeah, that? You know what no. I mean? Uh same thing with Billy Jean. I've heard I've heard Billy Jean versions, actually really mm-hmm. good ones, mm-hmm. um, done really differently. Right. You know, um, but beat it, I don't think I've ever heard any. No, I've never heard that. And I'm, I, maybe I'm wrong, maybe there's some out there, but nothing that's ever hit my radar. That's like that's like re- that's like remaking ET. You just can't right. do it. <laughs> Right, unless you're Steven Spielberg, and you know you have some other you know brilliant script on there, but there's a there's a magic that happens that cannot be recreated. It cannot. It cannot. One hundred percent. So my number one, uh, we talked about it. You talked about it. It was on your list. David Bowie, Let's Dance. Uh, Let's Dance. And um, this, the reason this song is so important to me is because. It introduced me to Bowie, 
Right. Yes. I didn't know David Bowie same, really same, was. same with me. It introduced me to Stevie Ray. You know, like right. you know, it was the first time I heard that guitar sound. You know, and it wasn't until right. years later. You know, but man, when I when I when that song, when you hear that, you know, being somebody who wanted to play guitar and was really interested in the guitar at such a young age, that was just such a powerful thing for me to hear right. that. Right. And and now looking back, how it it was, it had the best of of both worlds. Um, was it Picaro on that? No, Omar Hakim. Omar, yeah, Hakim yeah. was on there. Um, just an incredible track from top to bottom, from start to finish. You know, actually, all the ones that we talked about on our top five, you know, um, our lists. I think we had two of the same ones on the yeah, list. Yeah. Yep. You know, uh, but yeah, beat it and let's dance. 1983, really, yeah. the top songs really for yeah, those are the top ones. Kind of <laughs> exactly. Uh, but yeah, wow. awesome. cool. So we went over a little bit, but we want to thank everybody for tuning in. We are back, and uh, we're going to be doing a lot more stuff. Uh, also, in between our shows, um, I want to just a couple of announcements. One. If you do watch this show and you've gotten this far, if you hit the like, I know I never say that on this. And it's, wow, John. <laughs> I know I never say it, but people always tell me I should say it because it does help with the, if you're on YouTube watching and you hit the little like button, it helps YouTube know that people are watching us and then we, more people will watch and then we can get a little bit more and we can do better shows and more sponsors and, and just overall. So we appreciate that. And, and if you share it as well, um, uh, lastly, if you uh, visit counterpartshow.com, we do have a new app that you can actually download. You can watch the show right on your phone. Um, you can also watch all the previous episodes as well. And you can communicate with us directly through the app. And George and I are going to try to figure out because we haven't, we're still kind of working out some of the, some of the, not the kinks because it works, but we're working out some of the systems of how we're going to actually utilize it. But right. we're going to put some content on there, some special stuff that you won't get on some of the other platforms uh, eventually. Uh, we're going to get to that in the next couple of days, a uh, week or so. Um, but, yes, so we are very excited to be back. We want to thank you all for tuning in. George, thank you very much. As always, thank awesome. You, and we'll pick another year. And, by the way, if you guys have a year that we should look at, send it over because we're curious. We'll Absolutely. look at the year and we'll do another uh, another episode. And, um, yeah, and it's really good stuff. So, um, one of the things that George and I also um, talk about, I'll change the color here because we're we're on our. But one of the things that we like to talk about in, uh, and I'm gonna play some music here because, oh yeah, oh yeah, we are we are ending the show like this, people. This is a song uh, by Franz Gordon, someone who cares. It's called and. Um, what I want to do is I want to end this show positive and with a positive message. And I don't have one today, but <laughs> no, I do have one. I'm sorry. Um, but I want to end it in a way that we're, that we understand what we're trying to do here with counterparts and what George and I are really serious about. And we do take this seriously. We really want to elevate the artists. We want people to understand that artists really are extremely important and really shape our future. And we see what's happening sometimes in the world of music and stuff. And it it can be a little disturbing, especially having you know we, we both have young kids. Um, 
And we we come from an era where music was so amazing and so beautiful. Not to say that there isn't a great, beautiful music happening right now. There is, but we need to rediscover it more. And、uh, we need to,、uh, as my friend said, which I wrote down,、uh, said we need to reinstate the artist as the leader. And I love that because that's really what this show is about. It's reinstating the artist as the leader. Let them decide what. Art they want to create, and then let us give them the platform to share that, so we can elevate society and we can all live happily ever after. As cheesy as that sounds, that is exactly what I said. Because that is the goal of what we want to do. We want to live happy. We want to be able to help each other and love each other, right? So that's my little spiel for this evening. So I want to thank you all for tuning in. Thank you, George. God bless you all. We'll see you all again next week, 7 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Tuesday. And as always, 